Hi, welcome to episode three of Where's the Bride. I'm Oliver. And I'm Alex. And this is the LGBTQ plus wedding planning podcast. And today we're going to be talking about the most important part, where to begin. First things first, what are we drinking today? I mean, it's midweek when we're filming this or recording this today. So we've just been to Asdale, I've got San Miguel. Yeah, so something tame, something tame. Um, but yeah, like Oliver said, this episode is really about where to begin. So last time we spoke about the proposal, getting engaged, and this is for couples really that are thinking, where on earth do you start? And I think that is probably the hardest part I found. I think after that initial rush of getting engaged and being proposed to starts, actually starting to think about the intricacies of a wedding and the venue and how and what kind of vibe you want and how much it's going to potentially cost can be a really really overwhelming experience yeah i know the first thing that um, that we definitely thought about was how do we do this and we i remember googling it and there's people this is what we did this is what we did this is what we did and it was very much a bit like but, but how <laughs> it was the question that we asked quite a lot was what do you do? How, how do you tell a venue? Do you have to... Yeah. Permission? Do you have to <laughs> do this? I think the main thing for us was trying to understand the best order to do things in. Um, and again, every resource and the majority of resources we found online were pretty gendered and were geared towards like a heterosexual wedding. So I'd be looking at lists of, you know, orders to do things in and it would be consider your bridal dress, consider your bridesmaid's dresses, and for every wedding, that's not always the case. So there's a lot to consider. There's a lot to consider no matter what type of wedding you, you have, but hopefully today we're gonna to go through where we started and some helpful advice on basically how to make sure that you're gonna start planning the wedding that you both really, really want. Yeah. The first thing that we thought was, do we, do we get a wedding planner or, or do we DIY it? That, that was honestly one of the first things. I mean, what, what did you think when, when we were originally thinking that? Yeah, I thought, to be honest, I think there's a lot of amazing wedding planners out there. Uh, I think that being a wedding planner is must be such a rewarding and probably pretty stressful job at times. I think for us, there was two reasons that we decided not to go with a wedding planner. We both had quite a good idea from the beginning of the kind of vibe of wedding that we wanted and especially you you know that you wanted to try and do a lot of it yourself um, not necessarily purely out of like a budgetary perspective but just because you and i'm the same really but it's definitely you to more extent you kind of get that rush of knowing that you designed that or you created this and and you put it all together and you've got a really good eye for that kind of thing so i think we decided that a wedding planner might not necessarily be the route for us. And then the second thing was budget, predominantly. Like, you don't get a wedding planner for free, unfortunately. And whilst I think for certain couples and depending on the kind of ceremony you want, they're probably worth their weight in absolute gold. I just think for us, wanting that kind of DIY wedding, we just decided it just wasn't something we wanted to do. Yeah, and I think uh, with myself, I want on the day people to be looking at the posters, people to be looking at the signs, the seating plans, the flowers, the, the decorations, the little touches that we put around there. 
and it might be a bit selfish, but I want people to, I want to be able to like, oh, I did that, or Alex did that, we, we designed that ourselves. And, um, you know, one, one thing that we took into consideration looking at the venue as well was, when can we go in and set up? <laughs> yeah. um, because we want, we want to set it up ourselves, and I want us as a, as a family unit to, to really get together mm-hmm. and, and do it for everyone because I think it'd be nice. Um, but like you said, with a wedding planner, I think one thing I was worried about was, am I going to lose my personality in all this? Which I'm, prob- I'm sure isn't the case with, with a lot of wedding planners, but I think it might be the fact that I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to things like that. I don't know what, you know, what is it you like about the fact that we're doing it DIY? I think, I think, it, I think it's interesting because... For us and the the type of wedding we wanted and are, are gonna have, doing it ourselves works. And I think we've been lucky in that the logistics of what we've planned so far allow us to do that. So our venue, we'll come on to our, our venue and sort of a venue in a different episode, but the, our venue is incredibly flexible. We've got the venue for three days really in total, which means we've got the time to be able to decorate it how we want, do a lot of it ourselves, but, uh, and I'd love to hear from any wedding planners or people that have had wedding planners that are listening to this. I do think there are some benefits of hiring a wedding planner, which I think later down the line, to be honest, of our like, wedding journey, we might sort of maybe have our opinion changed. So like, I know, for example, that it can save lots and lots of time. I think as we get closer to the wedding, I think it's probably going to hit us how much we've decided to take on ourselves. Whereas a wedding planner does this day in and day out and you know they're going to be much more experienced in how to do certain things i think as well if you are working to um a tight budget for example i think a big misconception is that a wedding planner is kind of a waste of budget or something or something that's seen as an expense but often i think if you get a good wedding planner that works regularly with vendors that you like and you know potentially has relationships and and discounts there then it actually might be a good way to maximize your wedding budget in the best possible way also i think the one thing that i'd say is a benefit of having a wedding planner which again i i mean after we get married we'll be able to tell you is that there's someone there that effectively is like the project manager for the day and at the moment that is going to be i mean i say us two probably you more than me but i think that's the one thing that like i said i think a wedding planner would be worth its weight in gold yeah, I think it's, it's it, like we said, it's different for everyone's wedding and different things work for different people. I love the idea of a DIY wedding. The stress of it, I, I'm going to really enjoy on the day. I know I am. I, I, would, I would feel weird waking up not being stressed <laughs> about everything. And that was the first thing that we think, you know, if you are thinking about it, think what you want to do that way. That will solve a lot of problems. And then it moves on to um, kind of what we decided next, which was, and it was a question we used to each other quite a lot of, what what vibe do you want to go for? Yeah, and I think when you say, oh, what vibe of wedding do you have? It sounds like such a general question, but I think that's a really good place to start. I think sometimes it can be really difficult to, to start having that conversation with each other and, and have some real specifics. And you can kind of struggle to build the picture of your wedding around it, but I think... Talk about the kind of vibe as a couple that you have. And I think a good way to start deciding that is to decide some of the fundamentals. So have you got a preference of if you want to get married at home? Do you want an abroad or a destination wedding? You, you know, are you thinking about 
getting married in a church, having a religious ceremony, and then a party afterwards? Do you want something that is kind of all-encompassing, where you get married at the same venue, you have your reception? When in the year do you want your wedding? Factor in what the weather's going to be like. Uh, and I think those kind of things then lead on to more of a natural discussion. I think we were quite lucky that we were sort of on the same page. Similar lines. I know we, we both wanted an autumn wedding. Yeah, we, so we're getting married in the, the 30th of September. And the fact that was that was a Saturday, I just really liked because it was like the last day of the month. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think we wanted an autumn wedding. We both wanted kind of like Barney vibes. <laughs> Not Barney the dance. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Barney vibes. And we, um, we really wanted... A, it's a bit more rustic so mm. you know that was kind of like our initial vibe and then the way that we went down it and we i would really recommend doing this is think of your non-negotiables individually as couples where some people might say i'm not bothered i'll just go with the flow and do what my partner wants where everyone's got a non-negotiable yeah um, i yeah i i call them deal breakers and i think for us, even before, we knew we wanted a rustic wedding, we're getting married outside, it's autumnal, so that is kind of going to be reflected in like the colours and flowers and theme and all that kind of thing. Um, and we knew that we both wanted to get married in the UK, which obviously ruled out us having a destination wedding or a wedding abroad. But then, like Oliver said, we started to think about what our deal breakers were. Um, for me, one of the things that I wanted to spend a fair bit of money on was a just really good wedding photography. I wanted a photographer that we really gelled with. We've actually got two photographers on the day just to make sure we like get the pictures that hopefully will last a lifetime. Um, also, we both kind of quickly decided that we wanted it to have a party vibe. So that meant that our choice of food and stuff became a bit more informal, didn't it? Like. Yeah, I think my non-negotiable was I really wanted the evening, I wanted something like a pizza van. And I know it's something really silly, but it's something that I've always wanted. I went to a wedding once where they had like whole gross and stuff, but I loved it. I thought it was great. And then I went to another wedding where they had the pizza van. And I mean, we eat pizza probably twice a week. So it's, it's something that, that I just, I was like, that that's really what I want in the afternoon. And then when it comes to things like the... Um, the food throughout the day, I didn't want anything fussy. Um, personally, I don't like eating loads and then drinking because I just want to go to sleep. So I wanted something that was nice, quick and easy, something that everyone will enjoy. You know, I don't want to offend anyone. So my non-negotiable was, I just want something like pie and mash. Um, and it was, again, it was little silly things, but both of us had them where we wouldn't think of it for the other one. And we wrote them down, and I recommend that you pick three non-negotiables. Mm, I agree. I think any more than that, and it becomes a lot harder to navigate. And I also think it depends on how big those negotiables are. Like for example, if you had said, I 100% want to get married in the UK, I want a big wedding with a big venue to invite lots of guests, and I was adamant that, no, I want to go off to, I don't know, the French Alps and get married with like just five of our closest family and friends obviously and they're both deal breakers for us that's going to take a lot of working out before we can actually start to plan the rest of it start to think about venues etc so i think understanding those really key elements is really really important to start off with and it can be down to anything as simple as a color or it can be down to 
what you want to wear on your own wedding day because there, there are no rules and you know it could be that you really want to wear a pair of vans or you know doc martins or something like that that, that can be one of your non-negotiables you don't need to think about it too much but i feel like your partner just needs to know up front and then then you can start to like add that into the vibe of the day and add that into your planning i think then there's going to be no arguments yeah. <laughs> down the line. Yeah. and that's the thing it's it, it could be something as huge as you know one of you wants a destination wedding one of you wants to get married in the uk or it can be like tiny things of you both want a friend to do a reading at the ceremony or one of you wants to wear a bow tie and the other one doesn't or whatever it might be it doesn't have to be huge groundbreaking deal breakers but if it's something that you feel super passionate about just make sure that you air that straight away with your partner so you've both decided on a couple of deal breakers hopefully between the two of you it's nothing major uh, then that's when you want to start thinking and getting inspired and I think that's the most exciting bit uh, people used to make wedding scrapbooks, but now the most popular platforms to do it on are Pinterest. You can create online digital scrapbooks. You can save TikToks. You can save Instagrams. I think the way people are getting inspired for their weddings has changed a lot. Uh, and I think, especially if you're having a non-traditional or an LGBTQ plus wedding, it probably will be very different. Uh, just from our experience. I did like Pinterest. I think it's really common for people to use Pinterest um, for inspiration, but it was harder than it sounds, to be honest, to find really good inspiration for LGBTQ weddings, I found. And I think that was something that was quite difficult early on because it was so hard to get um, a good understanding of the vibe of wedding that we really wanted. Yeah, I agree. And I've, I've been to a couple of LGBT weddings I've been to, a gay wedding, I've been to two lesbian weddings, and they're all very different. And there are parts of their wedding that I, I'm going to steal the ideas. I think I think that they were lovely, but there are parts that I didn't see that didn't really represent me. And you know, when we were going through Pinterest, it was a lot of heterosexual weddings. It was a lot of straight weddings. It was a lot of old, new, borrowed, blue, which you can adapt, which I know you want to adapt, and but things like that. And the place I found the most inspiration for. The things that I want to do was I was looking through TikTok and I just searched gay wedding and I just searched wedding or LGBTQ plus wedding and I you know I found a few videos of you know those people say these are some exciting things we've done at our wedding these are different things we've done at our wedding and we'd sit next to each other on the sofa and we'd send each other TikToks and there were some really good little ideas in there and it's it's what gave us the idea of kind of the layout of the day it gave us the idea of we're not going to have a traditional wedding party at the end of it. We're going to have a full-on party. We're going to do karaoke. We're going to do this. And it's it's about looking at everyone else's wedding that's out there and taking the bits that you want to make it a special day for yourself. Yeah, definitely. I don't think there's any shame at all in being like, I saw that from a wedding. I'm going to copy that. Or that there's, there's loads of elements. I remember a couple of years ago, my cousin got married, him and his wife. It was a straight couple. Um, it's one of the best weddings I've ever been to and there's loads of things they had at their wedding that were probably got a carbon copy for hours just because I really I really enjoyed being a part of that day. It was really relaxed. It was quite informal in a lot of respects and that's something that we wanted to carry into ours. 
I think the reason TikTok's my favourite source of wedding inspiration is because uh, I actually made a separate account just for wedding inspiration. So the way that the TikTok algorithm works is it kind of serves you videos that it knows you're going to enjoy. So if I was doing it on my main account, obviously that's going to be interspersed with memes and funny videos and stuff. But on my separate wedding TikTok, all it serves me are like wedding inspiration, wedding tips, tips from wedding planners, all that kind of thing because that's only, they're only really the accounts that I follow on there. And I really like it because I think often, even though, you know, we're taking inspiration from heterosexual weddings and non-heterosexual couple weddings and, and a variety of, you know, even parties and, and all sorts of stuff, I think being able to kind of have that like video glimpse into the day is something that I prefer, especially when it's like a real insight from uh, one of the couple or one of the wedding guests and it's not like an overproduced image or an overproduced kind of like promo reel of the day because I think that really gives you a better insight into what it will be like for you. Uh, so yeah, I definitely say TikTok and really cultivating who you're following on TikTok is a really good way. So I definitely recommend setting up like a separate account just to follow some wedding pages. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think it's, because it's a new platform as well. I mean, it's not new, it's been around since 2020, but it's the newest. It's a bit more open and there's so many different things on there that, that you see on a daily basis. I think as well, one of the things that we struggled with, because we were thinking at first, we, were like, we don't know how to do this, we don't know what to do, was, was wedding planners. Um, wedding planners as in the books that you buy online. and one thing that we've realised is you need to really pay attention to what you're buying when you buy them because they are so um, heteronormative and bride focused and bride and groom focused, bridesmaid, brides party, blah, 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 focused that we bought ours and we, I remember it was something that we were struggling with because we were thinking about how do we have one that's non-gendered. Mm. We were looking around, we ended up buying one, it's lovely and we, we opened it and the first page said, here's the bride. Who's the groom? And I was really annoyed at myself because I really thought I'd bought a non-gendered one. And we kind of laughed about it because I was really excited to like get my nice pen out and start to fill it in and start to do some of that planning. Um, but in the end, I was like, oh, I've bought it now, I'll just use it. But I think that isn't an uncommon feeling when you're planning a wedding that's not traditional. It's, it's not the end of the world, but you kind of want to feel like... Special. Yeah, you do. And even little moments like that, I was like, oh, it was my mistake because I should have checked properly, but it's quite hard. Um, and there are some, I mean, I've found them since, there are some fantastic non-gendered options out there. So I'd make sure that if you are looking to buy like a, a written wedding planner or journal or whatever it is, just double check that it suits you and your partner um, for the kind of wedding you want and the way in which you present yourselves. Just because even those little moments, I think, can take away from like the special moment that it is to sort of start planning it out and start getting pen to paper. Yeah, and there was, there was a couple of things that we made ourselves, to be honest, which we, we couldn't really find in any wedding planners. And there's a couple of forms that we created where it was looking at the venues, which we'll get into in more detail. It was looking at the food. It was our non-negotiables. Where do we write them down instead of on a scrap of paper? So there are some things we created and we'll, we'll put them as a digital download on the, on the website for you to use as well. Um, sharing's caring and we, you know, we want everyone to be able to, to plan the wedding that, of their dreams that suits them uh, but yeah one, that is one thing that we found was the 
was the plan is. And a lot of the times as well, it was the unconscious use of language, mm-hmm. um, such as bridesmaids, groomsmen, and things like that. And it, it, you know, it doesn't mean much, but it, it means a lot at the same time because you're reading it and you're there like, when people say to us, who are your bridesmaids going to be? And you're there like, well, we're not having bridesmaids. Yeah, and I think we're two cis men that are gay, but are really aware of still the privilege that comes with that. Like, I know couples that are non-binary or trans that are navigating that, and, you know, we would both consider ourselves as grooms and can still play into that kind of traditional language, but for other couples, it can be even trickier. So I think the fact that we found it tricky, I think I kind of recognise that privilege that we have and that for other couples you know you want to feel special it's your special day so you want the resources and you want the ability to feel special when you're beginning to plan your big day yeah and you know so we've got there we've got uh are we going to do it diy are you going to use your wedding planners what vibe you're looking for and the next big question when planning your wedding is am i going to do it in the uk or am i going to do it abroad which opens up a spectrum of questions that a heteronormative couple probably wouldn't have to think about mm-hmm. and it's something that a lot of people listening to this will understand straight away when we say that and unfortunately some people don't such as if you want to get married abroad fantastic first question is it legal yeah a hundred percent and i think we're lucky obviously we're both from the uk same-sex marriage has been legal for seven years now i think um but there are multiple countries around the world that even after we get married here, our marriage wouldn't be valid abroad. And if you are wanting a destination wedding, um, you have to really consider where in the world that would be, whether legally you'll be able to do it. Um, and even sometimes with the legalities, whether it's still sort of societally acceptable to do it. Um, and, you know, when you're planning your wedding, you don't want to have to think a lot about those kind of negative aspects of what you're doing. It's a celebration of your love. It's a celebration of you as a couple. But unfortunately, if you are a LGBTQ plus couple and are really, really keen on having a destination wedding, it's something to consider. And to be honest, this is one of those scenarios where I would really, really recommend looking into a wedding planner if you are wanting a destination wedding. I think... um, there's so many different legalities to jump through, uh, regardless of, of your gender or sexuality when you get married abroad any, anyway. Like marriage laws are different in every country. The bureaucracy behind getting your marriage license can be very different. Um, and that's one of those scenarios where, say if me and you had decided that we wanted to get married in Greece or somewhere, I don't know, I would 100% have said we're getting a wedding planner because that they're the kind of things that I don't want to be bogged down in in the legalities and the paperwork and, and the bureaucracy of it. I just want to pick my flowers and, and think about what if we get married on the beach or if or and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, for me I think that's a major consideration. And if you do want to get married abroad, start to think about exactly where and how simple it will be for you as a couple. Yeah, and a lot of people when they get married abroad as well, they do tend to have a tiny ceremony in the UK and they'll have like a celebrant led wedding abroad which is probably an easier option for a lot of people because you can still do it privately it's we just want people to be to be careful and really kind of 
think about it. And would you want to take your money to a country that doesn't accept you anyway? Like, I'm very opinionated on that, and it's, it's a big fact now. <laughs> so, yeah. um, there's, you know, there's countries I will not go to because they're not having my hard-earned money because they don't accept me for who I am. Also, when you've considered how you're going to start planning, whether it's with a journal, whether it's with a planner, or whether you're just going to save a million TikToks or a Pinterest to a Pinterest board, one thing I think is really, really important is to get organised with some form of spreadsheet. And I hate a spreadsheet. I, I'm not an Excel king. I'd say you're a lot better. But one thing I'm really, really glad we did is start to sort of digitalise our planning. So at first, um, when we decided we wanted a UK wedding, it kind of leads you on to the next step, these kind of like really early decisions. So once we decided that and we'd started to discuss um, venues, we quickly realised that we either needed to settle on a venue first, which would give us a capacity of guests, or we needed to roughly figure out how many guests we wanted to make sure we were looking at a venue that was big enough. So we used a spreadsheet to basically work that out. And then I think most importantly, that's when we started to really have a proper conversation about our wedding budget. Yeah, I think the wedding budget was the bit that when I was proposing, I'm not going to lie, I didn't consider. <laughs> yeah. And it's something that you, I didn't think how much a wedding would cost um, until, until it came down to it. Yeah, interestingly, I was doing a bit of research on this, and according to Hitch.co.uk in some research they did in 2021, the average UK wedding last year cost around £17,300. Now, when I read that, I was actually surprised at how low it was. I think the only... The thing that might have skewed it is that, obviously, um, it was done during COVID. People couldn't necessarily have huge big weddings during COVID. But I have read elsewhere that the average UK wedding um, was coming in at about 30, 35,000 pounds. And I know people that have gone way and above with their wedding ceremonies. But I also know people that have had amazing services and parties to celebrate their wedding on a lot less. I think for us, we didn't really set a budget. And I think there's two schools a thought on how to do this. Yeah, I think originally we thought to ourselves, let's find the venue that we want and we'll, we'll take it from there. I mean, we were a bit naive originally. Most people know where they want to get married. Most people have an idea of the venue. When you talk about your non-negotiables, that might be one of the non-negotiables. Your partner might say they want to go to a beautiful barn or a beautiful country house, which is in the middle of nowhere, which that adds on a lot of extra money and maybe that's where you start with your budgeting or you know what a lot of my friends have done who I know have got married in the past is they thought what can we actually afford and it's there's no shame in actually thinking what can we afford hmm. because you need to make sure it's a special day for you and the last thing you want is stress of I'm going to be skinned for after this I'm going to be in loads of debt yeah and um, it's something that I've noticed a lot more recently I was um, updating some personal finances and it was saying would you like to take a loan out and one of the options was a wedding and I was I was shocked but if that's what some people want to do and they can they can afford to pay it back and it's in your budget I'd say you do you but one thing that we also notice is it, it does start to add up and it adds up really really quickly so yeah. it's we originally were thinking right let's look at the venue and from there we 
we kind of figured out how much we wanted to spend on that and then we set a rough estimate for everything else. Yeah, and I think for us, we went with option one where we sort of sussed it out a little bit and then kind of started to build a bigger picture of what it was actually going to cost. I think because we decided that we wanted a wedding at home with quite a lot of guests and very much like a full day event, we knew it was going to cost in the region of somewhere. I think for me, the biggest shock is the hidden costs. And I think that's when we started to have a very serious conversation as well about realistically, how much do you want to spend? I think it's really interesting in that um, even looking at, say, one report says an average wedding costs about 18,000, the other says 30. If you meet that somewhere in the middle, I think at the moment the average UK salary is around 30, 31,000 pounds. So if you're spending that on one day, that's more than probably a lot of people's salaries for the year. And I think that puts it into context of how much do you really want this day to cost you in the long run? I think if you've negotiated those deal breakers, those non-negotiables with your partner from the off, they're maybe the things that you can agree together are the things you're gonna spend a lot of money on. So for example, I know I mentioned it before, a photographer was one of mine. It was very much a, it costs what it costs kind of purchase. But because I put that onto the table with you and said, that's one of the things I wanted to spend money on, I knew that there might be things I wanted that we were going to have to scale back. In my dream ahead, I wanted a vintage James Bond, Aston Martin DB5 to drive me to the venue. When I actually inquired and saw how much that would cost in comparison to some of the other things... Yeah, well, basically, we're not doing that because it just it was going to cost quite a lot of money. But I think that's one way to do it if you're in the fortunate position where you have a lot of time to save as well. I know we spoke in the last episode about how long you intend on being engaged. I think if you go about it this way, you can kind of gauge how much your wedding's going to cost and kind of pick your date accordingly. If you think, okay, it's going to cost us. I don't know, £35,000, but we know that we can comfortably save for that or we know that we'll have the money for that in two years, three years' time, then you can kind of do it that way. Uh, if you're lucky enough that you have the money there or, or it's going to be, you're going to be helped with family donations, then, you know, you might not have to wait as long in your wedding planning. And I think one thing with family donations is, this is just something I learned from, a good friend of mine who got married a couple of years ago was and we didn't budget it and we haven't budgeted it is don't expect mm. um, anything from them even if you've got family and say oh we'll give you a thousand pounds or we'll buy you a suit still budget it because something's going to go over and that will then mean that you can manage your own money in accordance and it's and it's not going to feel too stressful a lot of vendors we found don't want money until two months before and every time someone says that it makes me kind of nervously laugh because i'm thinking two months before the wedding we're going to be eating bread scraps yeah we really <laughs> um, are. And it, it's trying to figure out your budget then and how you want to release it as well and it's just really important to stick within your means uh, is the only bit of advice that that we can give on there i've, I've been to weddings where they've been quite open about it. it's been really thrifty they've they've not spent much money on this not spent much money on that and they've been the best weddings that i've ever been to yeah and i've been to weddings where they've spent thousands and i'm not gonna lie i've been bored and it, it really just depends on the vibe of your day and what what you want from it and do you want to be paying for it for a long time it's completely up to you yeah and i think it's really important as we've gone through with 
those deal breakers, picking the kind of vibe you want and then trying to settle on a budget, I think they're the, the first key things on where to begin. I think as soon as you have had that conversation about budget, that also then ladders back. If you're, if you're still undecided on whether you want a wedding planner to help you, whether you want to do loads of elements yourself or whether you, you want both, that kind of budget conversation can help do that. Because we knew we wanted to create a lot of things ourselves. Um, it meant that, okay, we're not actually going to spend money on de on a lot of decorations or um, extra things like that. We're going to make some. Or we know that, for example, at the venue that we chose, we don't have to pay any corkage. So we have freed up budget there to potentially spend on something else. I want to ask you, though, in our first initial bits of planning, what was the one cost when we started to inquire that surprised you the most? So I knew that the venue would probably be the big one, which is why we went to go see quite a few venues and I'm not going to lie, there were some arguments in cars on the way back about the venue and I knew that was going to be the bigger one. The one that shocked me the most was, I originally said, let's not do flowers, let's just do something like dried flowers. I think that'll be more cost effective. We could probably sell them on afterwards. And I think that surprised me because the flowers that were found at absolutely stunning that you cannot find anything that's more us and when we were in the in the shop i got really carried away and, and you had to rein me in at one point because she was showing us flower clouds garlands buttonholes this that the other and i remember she sent us the original quote over and we both looked at each other like wow like yeah it's and we, we have scaled back and, it, and you know it's but then what we have done and i just touched on that there was we've realized because we're buying dried flowers, a lot of it we can sell afterwards. So, yeah, we're going to be spending the money now. And it, we're doing a lot of the decorations as well. Um, we're, I mean, in our attic right now, there's about 50 vintage suitcases. It looks ridiculous, but we're going to do something with them. And what we are going to do is very much up to all of us. But we're going to sell them afterwards. I think that's one thing you need to think about with your budget as well, is where can I make my money back after the wedding? It's, it's really important to, you know, you don't want to be sat on all these decorations, but do you want to hire them? Probably not. It's probably cheaper to buy them from car boot sales, from charity shops, from Facebook Marketplace. is something that, well, that we found to be amazing. And because we're getting married in September, we've got all these vintage suitcases. Alex doesn't know this, we're probably going to end up with an awful lot more. <laughs> That's what we've, we've thought about the whole way through the process is what, are we going to do it afterwards as mm. well? Yeah, and hopefully that's... It's not something we can factor into our budget, but it's something that, you know, you can try and mitigate afterwards. Yeah, definitely. Especially with things like we've, we've, we're not going to rent napkins because we've realised it's cheaper to buy yeah. <laughs> your own. There's loads of little things. Uh, and like, for example, uh, we created all our own wedding invites and we're going to do um, our menus ourselves and things like that. Um, and so all we've really paid is like the printing cost, which really hasn't cost a lot at all, just because we're not amazing, but after kind of seeing how much it was going to cost for like professional wedding stationery, and don't get me wrong, some of it is absolutely stunning, but for us, it wasn't a deal breaker. So we made sure that that was something we kind of scaled the cost back on. Yeah, I agree. And I also think personally that I, our wedding stationery is very personal to us. There's nothing out there like it and we designed it ourselves and the amount of compliments we've had from it has been worth 
the time that we put into designing it. Yeah, and it adds, it makes it more special because because we did it, and like those hours that we spent arguing over the font and the colours and what to have on it. Like for me, that was that was one of the first things we did. We're going to come on to wedding stationery in a later episode, but that for me was one of the first things we did. And again, it, it made me excited, like going through that process and doing it ourselves. It made it well, yeah. It made yeah. me really excited to do it. And so, question for you: What was what was your biggest surprise with the cost? Because I think we've spoke about it an awful lot between us. What what surprised you the most? I think for me is you you know that you're going to be spending money on a venue, on food, on flowers, on suits, dresses, pajamas, whatever you want to wear. I think for me it was the the legal the legal bit of getting married. I just assumed that. You get a registrar, they could either come to your venue or you get married uh, in a church or, or whatever. Um, but the actual legal side of getting married really shocked me. Um, we originally wanted to have a registrar come to our venue uh, and then we were told it would cost more because we're getting married on a Saturday, it would cost more because we were getting married outside and there was all these sort of extra hidden costs uh, and then we were told that the price was going to increase for 2023 compared to 2022. And before I knew it, I'd sort of worked out that the legalities of it were actually going to cost way over £1,000. And I was like, God, especially when you're you're budgeting for a wedding, like that's a lot of money. I know people that have got married on £1,000, let alone just spend that on the service itself. Um, and we'll touch on this again when we uh, talk to some celebrants and some registrars, but there's a lot to consider in in where that money goes and how you want to spend that money. Obviously you need that legal side of getting married, but now what we're gonna do is legally get married a couple of days before our wedding day, um, and we've gone with a different option. Uh, and a big factor in that was the cost of it. I think now what we want to ask you lot is, with the, your wedding planning or any friends' wedding planning, where have you saved, where have you cut costs? Where have you saved money? Where, what have you splurged on? What were your non-negotiables? Please send us messages on our socials. We, we love to hear it. Send us photos. We absolutely love seeing other people's weddings and we want to see what you've done. And you know we'll share them with, with everyone as well because I think if we come together as a community and we show people that you, know, you don't have to spend that much money to get that effect, the more ideas, the better. So, so please share them with us. I think that'd be a really good idea. Yeah, and it'll be an amazing source of inspiration for anyone listening that's thinking about planning their non-traditional wedding and, and they want inspiration from how other people have done it, whether you are a traditional couple or not. Uh, but yeah, thanks everyone. Next time we're going to be delving into venues specifically, how to pick a venue, how to negotiate those tricky budget conversations and a long list of questions that you should be asking your venue to making sure that you get the perfect setting for your wedding day. And trust me, we asked a lot of questions. <laughs> we really, really did. I'm hungry now, so what are we have to... I think tonight it's red hot, so we're just probably going to have a chicken Caesar salad. Ooh, you can't go wrong with the chicken Caesar yeah, salad. Oh, I'm excited for that now. <laughs> Alright, well thanks everyone, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. non-negotiables you really need to decide as a couple of the things that are going to work for you and the for fuck's sake is that your Amazon again for fuck's sake <laughs>